Ever wonder what it's like to be working for a giant pharma company? Today, we are pulling back the lab coat and getting an inside look at Bayer. We'll be navigating innovation pipelines and talent development secrets. Prepare to be amazed by the brains, the passion, and the cool stuff they're cooking up over there. Who is our guest today? Jihan Al-Saghir, who is the country HR partner for Saudi Arabia and Middle East, who will be taking us on a tour through the pharma industry and talent acquisition world. Please make sure to share this episode with your family and friends who are interested to get a new job in the pharma industry. Hi, Jihan. It's great to have you here. So we'd love to know more about yourself and what's Bayer all about. Hello, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very glad to have this discussion with you. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, as you know, my name is Jahan. I'm the HR partner for Bayer in uh, Saudi and the Middle East. Um, I've been with Bayer now for around uh, a little bit more than two years. I have had an experience before with Bayer as well for three years. Um, I have a career in, in HR mainly uh, for the past or around, uh, you know, 13 years, a bit over a, a decade. Wow. And it has been mostly as a generalist. So I have been over almost all functions of of HR uh, throughout these uh, 13 years. Okay. So one of the things that uh, you said that it's Saudi and Middle East, so I would love to understand, isn't Saudi part of Middle East? Yes, Saudi is part of the Middle East, definitely, especially at Bayer. We are a regional structure. Uh, We cover over 16 countries uh, in the Middle East. Um, And we have four main uh, hubs, to say, or maybe uh, subclusters, where we have legal entities. So we have one in the UAE, which manages the Gulf, one in Saudi, another one in Egypt, and uh, another one in Jordan that covers the Levant. So my main um, responsibility is to cover Saudi. So I am uh, the HR partner for Saudi specifically. I um, am responsible for the the legal entity there for all of the divisions that Bayer um, uh, has uh, presence uh, in in Saudi. Uh, As well, of course, I do manage projects for the Middle East. Okay. So can you tell our audience more about Bayer and what's Bayer all about? So Bayer, um, if you've heard the mission of Bayer, it's uh, health for all, hunger for none. Uh, Interesting. Uh, yes, a very uh, you know meaningful mission yeah. for, for us. So from Bayer's mission, what are the core values of Bayer? So our values are something, you know, it's, it, that's a very easy question <laughs> because uh, our values are part of our day to day. And um, you actually do go through the values on your onboarding and it's part of the employee life cycle as well. So we call them life uh, L stands for leadership, I for integrity, F for flexibility, and E for efficiency. And under all of these uh, parts, you have attributes and competencies and behaviors that we look for. So when we start, when we get onboarded, we go through the whole life attributes. When you are getting evaluated on your performance, you also go through the attributes uh, under life. When you are being um, interviewed and you are being assessed also, you get parts of the life attributes that you are assessed on. So it depends. So this is interesting. So how do you assess people um, through the interview, uh, through the life? Like how do you assess the leadership, the integrity? So um, we rely heavily on behavioral questions. We rely heavily on real life uh, questions where we try to see how a person or a candidate uh, uh, practices those uh, those attributes or practices these values, right? So we ask for for examples from previous uh, situations that mm-hmm. they have been through, 
and we have really you know a long list under each uh, set of uh, values you know under the life under the yeah. integrity and so on so we have a very huge um, let's say question database that we can help or equip our leaders to uh, before the interview to go through these questions but not only that we also do and we depend heavily not only on the interview itself so the interview we call it a life-based interview that's how we um, name it okay. but we also uh, incorporate in our interviews and in our assessment uh, process case studies mm-hmm. so we don't normally uh, go through a selection process without a case study okay um, and that is to give fair chances to everyone you know some people are really good in their performance they are really good in their values but Maybe they cannot represent themselves properly or maybe they're not just good speakers. Mm -hmm. They haven't had that skill, you know, so we want to give them fair chance. As on the other hand, you have people who are really good speakers, but in real life, they cannot really um, deliver. So that's why we use these case studies. Uh, Sometimes those case studies could be, um, you know, uh, behave uh, again a role play for example okay uh, a coaching exercise if you're hiring for a people leader mm-hmm. you want to see a problematic you give them a scenario they get time to prepare you know a problematic um, employee and you ask him to coach that employee and you have a panel that assesses his um, performance based also on our life attributes okay so that is how we incorporate our values So how do you assess a junior candidate, like their fresh grads on leadership? Yes. So either we do use, um, as I mentioned, previous examples from mm-hmm. their lives, and we also use case studies, but those case studies could be different. You know, So the case studies that we use, we partnered with different vendors. Uh, we purchased multiple, you know, a whole library of case studies. We have psychometric tests okay. as well. So we have different tools that we can use. We, we diversify our tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the case studies are also segregated based on experience, based on level, based on the type of the job that you are looking for. Are you looking for something analytical, for example, if we're looking for business analytics? Are we looking some, for something on digital? You know, we want to see the digital skills. Mm-hmm. Or are we looking on something, you know, that is more administrative? Are we looking for HR? Mm-hmm. So the, the library is huge. We have, as I mentioned, diverse tools and we use one based on each person's experience. Some things could be really beginners. But we, there's no r- right or wrong answer. You know, we, we normally have a panel of assessors. So the interview is not a single person who's interviewing you so that we also eliminate biases in a way and we get a diversified opinion. Uh, but those assessors could also, you know, uh, challenge you. Uh, as I mentioned, no right or wrong, but they challenge the candidate to see how he reacts or she reacts to the um Uh, case yeah so i'm studying coaching now and yeah one of the things that they always tell us there is no right or wrong yes it's different perspectives and which is very true true yeah um so what are the biggest challenges and opportunities facing the pharmaceutical industry uh, nowadays loads of opportunities especially with um uh digitalization coming into place Mm -hmm. ai moving in Uh, We're having a lot of um, uh, integration into our day-to-day jobs, into our day-to-day operations Mm -hmm. uh, from, uh, you know, uh, digital uh, field. Uh, But the challenges also come from uh, different markets. Different markets have different challenges. So, for example, if I speak on 
uh, Saudi specifically, where my m- main responsibility is, uh, the market is very volatile. You know, it's uh, it's very um, uh, dynamic. Uh, you have loads of uh, graduates that are coming into the market mm-hmm. uh, every year. Uh, you have uh, um, very strict regulations as well as in, in the UAE as well. Uh, you have the Saudi FDA, for example, that regulates, uh, also has a part in regulating the, um, the, the the labor that you have on the side of the Ministry of Labor. So you have Saudization or nationalization pro- programs, for example, which we have as well in, in, in the UAE. So um, the laws are one of some of the challenges that are coming into, uh, uh, you know, into mainly the big picture. Uh, uh, the market, uh, the, the dynamics of the market is, is something else. Competition is another thing, you know. Uh, I would say, um, you know, retaining talent in a way. Thankfully, at Bayer, to be honest, we, we have a very uh, low turnover rate. Mm-hmm. So I believe we have been successful at retaining talents. Uh, but also, you know, expectations uh, from uh, the corporate uh, world. One of the biggest challenge, I would say, is how the corporate world and the understanding of the corporate world is changing. You know, people were expecting uh, uh, or, you know, the, the, the some generations to say, or maybe not only the old generations, even the fresh graduates have a certain expectations when they enter the market of, you know, spending two years here, then two years there, then I get promoted to this, then I get promoted to that. And that's not reality, you know, it's not happening anymore. You could spend really longer years on on a certain level and then you have a very huge jump to something else Uh, or you just move lateral moves across different divisions and different functions. So um, the the, the world and the the career progression is no longer the same. We don't have the same definition or the same understanding of of career progression as it was in, uh, uh, in the past. So that's one major challenge that we are facing now. Uh, with talents. Yeah, but with the new generation, they want everything fast, fast, fast. They're in the era of uh, fast food and fast everything. So they want to move and progress very quickly in their, in their career. True. Or then they you just get bored and leave and find something else. So when you're speaking about digitalization, what kind of projects or things, jobs change because of digitalization? Everything changes with digitalization. So um, uh, at Bayer, actually, we have been able to integrate a lot of of the digital, you know, um, aspects into our day-to-day job, especially speaking from from HR. When I first joined Bayer, you know, years back, um, I was in operations and my main role was front office, uh, answering questions on policies, guiding employees through filling forms, creating letters, processing payroll, you know, so everything that has to do with day-to-day operations. Now, fast forward to today, or maybe a couple of years back, mm. I would say 2020, 2021, the mm-hmm. team was successful to integrate almost everything into a, a new tool. You know, they are using Power BI, and that's our own HR operations. So okay. It's not something that comes from a digital team or from IT or something from above country, you know. So our own HR members are learning Uh, Power BI, they are exploring, for example, you know, the tools and the techniques that are available and they are creating digitalized forms. They are creating, you know, our entire onboarding now is digitalized. Okay. So once an employee onboards, you know, then the day he joins, he finds, he finds an email from HR and mm-hmm. he logs in and he has seven or eight areas, you know, that he just clicks 
and he goes into his onboarding on stages. He goes through quizzes. There are some games uh, integrated. So, And he does it on his own pace. You know, you don't go and sit in an office and wait for someone to come and read through the policies and give you a manual or do, you know, a brochure and, and all of yeah. that. So it's not that anymore. You do it on your own comfort, on your own time. You integrate it with your onboarding with from your division. Uh, you know, you don't have to uh, fit it into certain schedules or, you know, you ha- the, the standard, you know, first week, the boring week, I'm just sitting there and, you know, uh, listening. So, um, and it helps you refer to things later on. So, of course, you will not remember everything from your onboarding. Yeah. So later on, when someone has a question or wants to to remember something, they can go back to that link and they can look into, okay, am I looking to IT? Am I looking into HR? And they can check those links. Yeah, but how is this removing the part of human interaction? Uh, to a certain extent, it is. Uh, but that also creates opportunities, you mm-hmm. know. So um, these tasks do not create that much added value to the HR or to to the HR team members, the, the, the operations team, for example, to me as a business partner or to anyone who's doing the onboarding. Yeah. So they are repetitive Uh, actions and you lose interest of them regardless of the person. So if you're losing interest in that action, it's not going to add value to the person sitting in front of you. And then you don't have that, that, you know, they don't see the spark. They don't, you're not doing it with love and fun. Rather, you know, when you have this option of actually digitalizing it and doing these repetitive actions, you are giving the HR team time, uh, space, room to innovate, to try and do new projects where they can really, you know, Uh, interact with the team members on different other projects. And that's what we, we are doing now. Yeah, very interesting, actually, uh, perspective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so in your opinion, um, what do you think would encourage young talent to consider the pharmaceutical industry? Um, the pharmaceutical industry is a bit tricky. Uh, because, um, you know, it depends on uh, your graduation. So I, I would see that a lot of people who buy education are pharmacists, for example, then automatically they consider going into the pharmaceutical industry. But as I move forward now and I see um, when I'm interviewing people, for example, mm-hmm. um, outside from the classical Uh, medical rep role we call it customer engagement specialist so if I'm not interviewing for that role because that role is particularly meant for pharmacists okay so they have to come from an uh, educational background but if you're talking about someone coming to HR for example or to um, finance why would they be interested Mm -hmm. in, in, in the pharmaceutical industry we see Uh, I saw many examples where there's a relation, a personal, you know, interest in the industry because uh, either the mission that we talked about made sense to them, yeah. you know, so they they connect to mm-hmm. that, or maybe um, personally or someone in their family, in their network, in their friends, their relatives that has um, a need, you know, that they think they can fulfill through joining a pharmaceutical industry. You know, maybe I'm sick. For example, yeah. or I know someone, uh, or uh, in my family who has cancer, for example, and I see that joining a company that has that mission, you know, health for all, and they are trying to invest in that field, and you know, I, I connect. So uh, then, when you connect with that, you connect with the vision and the mission of the company, and you have passion to the job that you do. That's what interests you. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is a lot of the employer uh, brand. The employer brand definitely. is something that um, 
regardless of the industry that makes an interest to people to apply. Okay, so we spoke also about the opportunities that are being created now. And one of the things that you mentioned is AI. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, again, what do you think AI will create as opportunities and challenges in the pharma industry? That's for the business, again, to speak about. For me in HR, as I mentioned, from my perspective, so um, just like I've, I've given the example of, of HR, I think roles are evolving. You know, yeah. I wouldn't say that roles are Uh, completely maybe diminishing as we speak. Maybe Mm -hmm. in the future we will see that certain roles would be completely diminished, but now they are evolving. It's the the, the AI is giving us the room to really uh, move out from from routine Mm -hmm. tasks that doesn't add value, as I mentioned, uh, and giving us space and the time to actually do something uh, innovative, to think of something, exactly, something new, something that normally maybe we needed more headcount to do, for example. You know, I had to be busy with doing payroll or yeah. doing onboarding or preparing letters, and I didn't have the time to uh, create something new, to create um, gamification, for example, a mm-hmm. game for uh, a new L&D uh, project. But now, since we have that time, we have created a game for uh, a learning project. For Can example. you tell us more about it? Uh, sure. One of uh, that was actually created by by one of my colleagues mm-hmm. um, in HR, and it was linked to the values. Okay. So it is a refresher on on our values on on life. Uh, we have two versions: so life and life uh, 2.0, the the <laughs> games. Uh, and um, uh, instead of doing a, a, you know a standard policy refresher where you go and you read and you explain yeah. and you know. So um, employees received a barcode or a link. They could do it through their mobile phone and they could, you know, answer quiz. It's a a quiz, actually, basically, on our our life values. Mm -hmm. And you could see that our employees have done the quiz several times and you've always got, you know, you could see the ranks and who's exactly. So it was a really uh, interactive way. It was a fun way. It was something that employees look uh, forward to instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, a, a normal refresher. And you would see some really enthusiastic employees who would actually go and review the policy so that they could do the test, you know, so the, or they could score, you know, the highest on the quiz. Yeah. So it's actually serving its purpose. Okay. So, Jihan, speaking of the AI and how it helped you um, um, get rid of some of the routine tasks and gives you more time and space, and I think also this is great. It helped you to connect more with people on a mm-hmm. personal level and understand their needs and what they want in their job and what fulfills them as well. Interesting. So now let's go into the recruitment um, part. And so what are the roles or the thing that you always have uh, a need for or it's never ending job that you need to fill? (laughs) I would say maybe it's the most basic one, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, the biggest uh, part of our uh, employee base, which is the customer engagement specialist. Okay, which Uh, is the medical, known as the medical rep. Known as the medical rep. Okay. See, across the Middle East, we're around 500 employees. And I would say maybe 70 to 80 percent of that is is medical reps. So uh, that's the biggest population. So what's the career progression for medical reps? They have different paths, Mm -hmm. you know, so from medical rep, or from customer engagement specialists, they get promoted to senior customer engagement specialists once they um, reach certain criteria uh, or fulfill certain criteria. 
And now we have created new uh, paths for them, which is a lead uh, CES as well okay. to help them a bit develop. But from that, they can either move more uh, commercial, so they can go into key account management, for example, or they can move out of commercial. They can go more into medical advisors, me- medical uh, science, science liaisons. They can go into marketing, for example. They could go into uh, distribution. Uh, so different functions within okay. the um, uh, division itself. Okay. So what programs uh, do you have for their development or career development? So, uh, uh, trainings, as I mentioned. But also from an HR perspective, you know, we do lots of um, or we do provide uh, soft skill trainings. We have uh, the, the company, of course, uh, provides um, uh, web-based trainings through several platforms. We have degreed. We have uh, provided our employees with LinkedIn access for all LinkedIn trainings. Um, but not only that, you know, we have uh, introduced maybe um, in 2022 uh Uh, professional uh, development assistance policy where uh, an employee who wants to continue their education outside, uh, we, the, the company pays for a certain percentage okay. uh, of that. So if you want to go for uh, an MBA, for mm-hmm. example, if you want to go for certification that the company does not provide for, and that makes sense within your career development. So for me, for example, I'm CIPD certified. Okay. If I want to do mm-hmm. CIPD, if I want to do SRAM, if I want to mm-hmm. do, and that's related to my job, then the company can provide for. Um, okay. uh, we pay 75% of the tuition up to Uh, 10,000 euros. Uh, so that supports our employees and really, you know, it's one of the uh, also the retention uh, tools that we have where employees really look forward to uh, benefit from the uh, professional uh, development assistance policy. So speaking of the customer engagement specialist or the medical pharma as it's known in the market, um, how do you select them and what skills exactly look for? Um, so as I mentioned, we have, uh, uh, it's not a lengthy selection process, but it's a very thorough selection mm-hmm. process. Okay, so normally um, we use another, you know, AI, uh, as we were talking okay. about AI for um, basic shortlisting from, from LinkedIn. So Bayer uses LinkedIn uh, as the external portal for publishing um, vacancies. And everyone who um, wants to enter Bayer has to apply through LinkedIn. this channel. You know, so if you, don't, you don't have your own applicant tracking system? Externally, no. Okay. So we only do, uh, we have a global internal job board mm-hmm. so for our own employees mm-hmm. and externally it's through LinkedIn. Um, even referrals have to go through that, you know. Uh, ah, even uh, referrals through LinkedIn. Yes. So, so it's very important note for Yes. Everyone who wants audience. to apply has to go through uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, then uh, we train our managers on how to use the filters on, on LinkedIn so that they could get, you know, the uh, skill set that they are looking for. Okay. So the hiring managers are the one who shortlist. Yes. On the HR. Yes. Wow. They are the uh, the experts. They are the ones who's going to lo- to work with uh, with that candidate. So it's not us, you know. Okay. And they know where to look for. So they take any kind of training and how to do the yes. shortlisting or how to choose the candidates. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we train the managers on the how to do the uh, to to work with the filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we give them accesses to those projects on LinkedIn. Okay. And they can work through that period. So um, basically, if I run you through the selection process, first every posting. Uh, is open for 10 days 
We okay. don't do more than 10 days on, okay. on buyer. And you would see that actually, if you go and look for a, for an opening, you'll see that it's gone after mm-hmm. 10 days. Once the position is closed, the um, manager gets access. He does the uh, the filters. He does the initial shortlist. And he goes through the selection, uh, sorry, the assessment process. The assessment has to be through a panel. So uh, as as HRs, we um, more or less go as, um, I don't want to say controls, uh, but we do guide the managers through the process and we do look into uh, every step that they have taken so that we ensure that they actually went into the best fit that they could find in, in, in the market or in the applications. So there should be a panel. And normally, we also guide the managers on the panel to mm-hmm. ensure that it's a diverse panel. So we we want to make sure that you have uh, employees or managers from different uh, functions that will be working with that candidate or with that employee. So if we are talking about customer engagement, so it's not only the hiring manager who's the CEM or the customer engagement mm-hmm. manager. It could be someone from marketing, for example, who's also there, the brand manager who is going to be part of the um, selection process. It could be another CEM from a totally different uh, uh, area, a different uh, therapy area, a different zone. Uh, also, we include or we stress uh, diversity in terms of gender. So we don't allow normally panels from the same gender because mm-hmm. different genders have different perspectives. True. Uh, nationality is another thing mm-hmm. that we try to diversify where it's possible. Uh, and if there's also room, generational diversity. So we always make sure that the panel has uh, that diversity on it. Um, they go through the life-based interview mm-hmm. that we have talking about, and then they go through the, the case study. Sometimes they are on the same session. Sometimes, depending on the position and the, the volume of the applications, we might have uh, separate sessions. Uh, on certain projects, we even partner with external vendors to do the uh, the case study part okay. or the assessment. Employees or candidates could go through uh, several assessments. They could go through psychometrics and then through case studies that we d- design with those partners. So it could be analytical. It could be something that is more uh, on numbers, financials. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be something more on um, customer engagement, uh, negotiation yeah. skills, for example, and so on. Um, and once, you know, we get the gradings, so we have also gradings that we have, um, uh, kind of developed Mm -hmm. on, on uh, those two, uh, steps. Um, then normally we have the final candidate, if not, maybe two that are very close, they could go through a third interview with maybe the division head to go for the final process. But normally it's very short, it's crisp, it's straight, straight to the point. Mm Uh, we try not to drag the candidates through a very long selection process. Um, and if possible, if not that huge volume, we try to give feedback at least to those who have went through, you know, s- several stages uh, through the interview. So usually what's the timeline for these process? We normally don't take that much time. We have not identified strict timelines mm-hmm. for the hiring managers to, to stick to. Uh, but let's say somewhere around two to three weeks. Okay, so... By three weeks max, we should have all candidates, at least who went through the interview process, should have a feedback. Yes. Okay. A response, you know, you're selected yeah. or not. Yeah, a feedback. Yeah. yeah. So, and I love a lot how you empower your leaders and managers that they take um, not only part of the process, but ownership of the process. Yes. Yeah. They, they, should, they are the owners. Yeah. They are the one who's going to work with, to evaluate. Yes. They should know the, you know, the ins and outs of that uh, role, not us. So uh, as much as 
I would like to have uh, business acumen as much mm-hmm. as I would think that I am, you know, into the business, I would still miss lots uh, that these hiring managers uh, know. You know, they were in these shoes years ago. So they know, as yeah, I mentioned, exactly. the ins and outs and they would be the best. And they're in the market. So what is one impressive interview you cannot forget? Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, we had a really good interview mm-hmm. uh, with one of the candidates um, who was hired, okay. uh, actually, and was hired very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you could see the passion of that person. Okay. Uh, and that's one of the questions that you've asked earlier, mm. you know, what um uh, uh you know how, how why would they apply to to buyer mm. he connected to the mission of buyer he had that connection you okay. know so it meant for him mm. uh, to work in the pharmaceutical industry and at buyer specifically so you could see the passion first but not only that you know the passion to what he does so he was able to explain his experiences the job that he does and me coming from you know i'm interviewing for someone who's senior in a mm. senior role Um, uh, and, you know, I don't understand or I could understand basics of that role. You know, I'm not really an expert in, yeah. in, in that field. But when you are having that conversation with him and it's only maybe 45 minutes or 50 minutes mm-hmm. and you could really see the passion of that person talking about his day to day job, his day to day tasks, you know, you can be mesmerized in a way. And also seeing how. He can give solid examples, how he can relate to every single question that you uh, you ask him. Uh, also showing that growth mindset that I was talking about. Some interviews, you know, you totally disconnect at the beginning where that person or the candidate could be know-it-all attitude, you know. Yeah. So you immediately, immediately kind of disconnect or you lose interest in that candidate. Mm-hmm. But when you see someone who's really willing to learn, who's really willing to show you how he can add value, then that person sticks in your mind, you know, the, you cannot, you, you enjoy the interview when you're doing it and it's no longer a task, it's it's a discussion that you're having yeah. and you can at a certain time feel that you're also adding, you know, you're learning from that interview as well. Yeah, interesting because I always said that when I do interviews, like I like to ask open-ended questions to uh, candidates and from their answers, I can get more questions. And the best interviews I have is the ones that I learn from. Like there, there is one interview, and he's hired now. I was writing after him. I was, I was, I was learning a lot. So and like, okay, this is the one. And also, it's open mind that he wants to learn more. And like, no, I don't know everything. But hello, in the interview itself, we learned a lot from you. So yeah. So what is one thing that you can tell candidates not to do in an interview? Like a killer? No, 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 big no. Uh, so first could be this uh, know-it-all attitude, mm-hmm. you know, okay, don't act like I don't know anything, but don't have the know-it-all um, attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one. And definitely never come unprepared. At least, you know, uh, read very well the job description, mm-hmm. know how to articulate your answers based on that job description. You know, that's when you show interest. That's how you show the company that you're really someone who's willing to do the homework behind and then that then at that moment they would show even more interest in you you know mm-hmm. so uh, some candidates turn out to interviews with absolutely no clue you know about the job description uh, or the task that they are really or the, the role that they are expected to do you know because 
um, especially coming from a pharmaceutical industry, for example, and I'm sure that it's different by industry as mm-hmm. well. So if I'm talking about marketing, for example, marketing is totally different in pharmaceutical from an FMCG industry, from a luxury goods industry. From They have totally different guidelines and totally different things to adhere Definitely. to. So if you are coming from, you know, the the best marketing agency that could be in that world, you know, and you're so sure about what you um, deliver and mm-hmm. uh, what you can do, but you're coming to something totally in a different domain, you know, if you're going to come really unprepared, not showing uh, how you can link your experiences to what is expected from that role, don't show up, don't apply even to the role, you know, so yeah. uh, if you're not prepared to do the homework, then don't don't come. And it's sad because they take from the opportunity and time from another candidate yes. who could be much more better. Yes. Yeah. Someone who's really hungry to actually, you know, to you can see that they're hungry. They have the passion to really do anything or to really just show that, that the assessing person or the HR yeah. or the hiring manager on the other end, you know, just give me the opportunity to show you yeah. that I will do the job. So how often does it happen with you that you receive a CV and you look at it and you say, mm, I'm not sure. But when the candidate shows up, you feel that, okay, this is a superstar. And also vice versa, that, wow, the CV is great. And then the candidate shows up and you say, there is no way that... Very often. Yeah. Very often. There are, you know, several things that we experience. First, uh, from the application stage. Mm -hmm. And um, I do understand that people sometimes could be um, a bit hopeless. Mm -hmm. But read the criteria when you apply. You know, you cannot just apply for sake of you know, any job that's <laughs> online that you apply for. So easy apply. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just a click and then we apply. So that's yeah. a first stage. The second stage is uh, when you have these magnificent CVs that you see. Um, and then when you when you interview the person, you can get into shock. Or mm-hmm. maybe, as I mentioned, that is why our, our um, assessment process mm-hmm. goes through several stages. You know, someone who... Um, is really good on the CV, really good on the paper, but couldn't present himself yeah. properly. That's why we do the other step where we give him the chance to really, you know, show us how you can add or how exactly. Uh, or the other way around where someone who seems mediocre maybe yeah. on paper, but then once you interview him and when you give him the chance to demonstrate their skills, then they really excel at it. So in your experience, um, What advice can you give candidates so they can have better CVs and they make sure that they are shortlisted? I think the CV should not be uh, one CV. They should have versions of the CV, Mm -hmm. okay? And by that, I'm not saying that they should, I'm not proposing that they should add something that they don't really do, you know? Uh, But when you read a job description, Mm -hmm. try to see from your experience how you can relate to that job description, okay. you know. So if I'm an HR business partner today and I'm applying for another HR mm-hmm. business partner role, you know, maybe there are certain things that I actually do in my job now and I didn't mention on the CV, but in the posting, I find that they have highlighted that. So I should I should yeah. add it, you know, keywords, especially with, with AI now that we are yeah. living and I believe all companies are using AI in certain forms. Um, the the softwares that we use, mm-hmm. the filters that we use, will pick on these, uh, these words. words. Yeah. So just make sure that this uh, terminology, that certain um, you know skills that you mm-hmm. have, are always captured in your CV, okay. so that your CV is first hand shortlisted. You know okay. that's the, the first thing, um, and make sure that you know you can show how you can add value. Again, use. 
um, uh, maybe a small uh, statement or a, or a paragraph where you can, you know, mention your achievements yeah. uh, in, in your CV so that we can, okay, we understand what the tasks of this job mm-hmm. is, but how did you make the most, ad- how did you add value to that yeah. job? So that's the part that we want to see because, again, every job posting, you can have hundreds of, of applicants. So try to stand out of the crowd by really just adding a, maybe a small clause or a small mm-hmm. um, summary of, of an achievement that you are proud of at each uh, experience that you had. Interesting. So um, um, after today's episode, actually, so we will tell ask people or candidates who are interested to apply for buyer to go through a link and apply. And also there is a statement of like they ha- they should mention one of their achievements or proud task project mm-hmm. that they did. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jehan, for your time today. It Thank has you, been a very insightful and informative episode, and I loved everything that uh, we came to know about Bayer. Um, good luck into the new year and the projects. Best of luck for you as well. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Jehan. You.